Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Secret Origins of Mint Condition. I am your host, James, and this is the second part of the Who You Gonna Call All Things Ghostbusters episode. I will once again be joined in this episode by Joe, Chris, and friend of the show and returning guest Josh Bernhard, who is also the host of his own podcast, Trash Compactor, a Star Wars podcast. So please check that out, and I'm going to jump, jump, drop us right back into where we left off last time. I wanted to rewatch, obviously, all the movies, and if I could have the entire series, but I had to be choosy about uh, you oh, know, yeah. what, I could, what I could rewatch. Right. Yeah, I had to be choosy, too, and everything. So, Well, I guess that should bring us into... So after Ghostbusters 2, we're obviously in real Ghostbusters land until that series ends. Then we have comic books and Legacy of Ghostbusters, and that brings us to um, the Kevin... Um, uh, no, the Paul. What was it? The director Paul, is Paul Feig. Paul, uh, Paul Feig. Paul Feig. Paul Feig. Yeah, I can't remember uh, how to pronounce um, his last name. It's F E I G. <clears throat> I'm so used to saying Feige. It's not Feige. It's right. I think it's Paul Feig. Um, and his, uh, I guess, reboot slash reboot slash remake of Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters answer the call um, with uh, Melissa McCarthy, Leslie Jones, Kate McKinnon, and Kristen Wiig, and. I mean, you know, I, I've only seen this movie once in theaters. And I, I have to say, I love all of those women. And all of those women are some of my, uh, I, I love those. They're all com- great comedians in their own right. And so the movie, while, um, I don't know, I, I like I the movie overall. Do it, is it, does it hold up in the first two or my regular Ghostbusters canon? No, but I enjoyed what I saw and I thought they were trying some funny things. Those are my initial impressions. I'll, I'll open it up to uh, to everyone else. What are their what your th- guys' thoughts are on it? No, I mean, I mean, I enjoyed it. I um, I also saw it in the theater, and I um, I really had a good time. I really enjoyed it. I think um, there is something to be said for the gender swapping for for gender swapping sake. I don't think that that's you know um, that that idea in and of itself is uh, not worth doing just for its own sake i think it's it's a really interesting um spin on the material and kind of makes you like reevaluate um you know what it is about the the series and the characters that uh that appeal to you unfortunately uh, you know i don't think uh that it became kind of a flashpoint for the larger culture war and sort of the uh, you know especially the kind of schism in um i don't know what you want to call it like like nerd fandom or whatever um (laughs) uh, which i think is is very unfortunate um uh, because uh you know uh, you know and maybe if i was younger or when i was younger i would have um thought um differently but as for somebody who clearly if you've been listening uh, you've heard uh, uh uh ghostbusters was so formative to me I think that that it's one of my most cherished memories of those films and all my associations with those films. And I really enjoyed it. So, uh, you know, my thing, and I apologize if I'm offending, if I'm offending anyone, but, uh, you know, my thing is that if you hated on this movie because you wanted uh, to see the originals, you were mad that, uh, these these women were in it and they were taking it in a direction that wasn't what you wasn't where you wanted it to go i think you know if someone like me can see it and enjoy it then you're just an asshole um 
<laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I, Joe, I know there's something you want to say, but I got plenty to share on this too. But Joe, what, what were you going to say? Well, I, you know, I, I'm the outlier here because I didn't see the film. So I have a couple of questions. Um, is this film a, an alternate reality? Is there a connection to the first two? Uh, and uh, uh, does anybody from the first two films show up in this film? Yes. Yes, there are cameos of Aykroyd, all of them. Okay. Aykroyd, oh, yeah. everyone who was alive. Who well, and actually, um, and actually, and Harold, Harold was in there Harold, too. Yeah, they put a bust of Harold. So yes, it, it oh, has no... Cool. Because it, it, the bust is at Columbia University, which is where the Ghostbusters right. were. So. Yes. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. so, but the movie stands on its own. It's sort of like a reimagining, I guess you could say. Okay. And so I will be, I will be geeky here for a moment because I took the extra step. And the, the there is an IDW's comic series that this is another multiverse of the Ghostbuster universe. And okay. if you want to read the original Ghostbusters, the real Ghostbusters, and Ghostbusters answer the call groups in one comic, it's out there. Oh, I love it. I love that. I love that. What's it called? Um, I think it's Ghostbuster. Um, oh God, I'll have to look up the name. I mean, let me do Please that. Send but it to I'll, me. Yes, I'll send it to you. But yes, it's uh, they they have a, a sequ- they have a one where the, all three of them meet, and they also have a separate one where the real Ghostbusters meet the other Ghostbusters timeline. I got so, so I'm going to read yeah, that. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to have that read before I go to bed. Uh, <laughs> and and I will say and I will sadly say this is the one time where Hoopla is not available on Hoopla oh, for some reason. Oh, okay. Hoopla took all their Ghostbuster <laughs> content off. So if you uh, if you want this now, <laughs> you have to actually go to Comicsology and buy it. So I'm sorry. I don't think it's worth the investment, but that's me. Yes, it's oh, fun. That's to see, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's I it's fun to see a Ghostbuster multiverse. But um, yeah. But I'm sorry, Chris. What were you, what were your thoughts about this? No, movie? I mean I agree with Josh. I agree that they kind of if that's here. This is <clears throat> excuse me, much like Ghostbusters two, or if you want to go into Star Wars and talk about <clears throat> excuse me, getting a little froggy voice there. Um. And if you want to talk about Star Wars and and The Force Awakens, and you want to say they just rehash the same material, I hear you. I do hear you. Um, when you say this isn't Ghostbusters, you should check yourself because you're wrong. Uh, there is, if you want to say that this is a rehash, I'm completely with you because they take very similar character archetypes. They have a very similar arc in terms of they are basically they are professionals. Uh, they're kicked out of academia, so they start a business. Like the story is, the story structure is the same. But if you're going to complain, and this is what I've heard a lot of people say, I've heard people complain, this isn't Ghostbusters. You couldn't be further from the truth because those same people, and we're going to get to it, a lot of those same people really loved Afterlife and say, this is the movie that we deserved. Nope. No. I'm going to say that this movie, Answer the Call, is much, much more similar to the first two Ghostbusters movies than Afterlife is. I think Afterlife is a well, very different true. beast. Yeah. But Answer the Call is almost the same movie. You take four actors, regardless of their gender, though I agree with Josh, I think it's interesting to gender swap and see what kind of ramifications that has on the movie. Um, yeah. You know, And also, frankly, it reveals to us, some friends who maybe shouldn't be friends, in my opinion, um, that... You know, you, you, it's the same thing. You take these four actors who are at the top of their game in comedy, and you put them. It's together. very funny. It's 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 very it's, funny. It's very, very funny. funny. They've got a lot of one-liners. They've got one-liners that I quote. Um, and the the only reason I am not as intertwined with this movie as I am with the first two is because this one came out after I was an adult. That's the literally the yes. only reason that I don't identify as closely with this one as I did with the first two. The first two were so integral to my de- my childhood development. 
if you had released this one back then, I could absolutely see myself, excuse me, having the same connection, especially because Ghostbusters came out, or I should say I was introduced to Ghostbusters when I was so young that me deciding that I'm going to be one of the female Ghostbusters doesn't have any sort of impact on me. Like, oh, I don't want to be a girl character, right? So I think it's, it's you know, they're similar. You take, the, you take those actors, you tell the same story. So if that's your argument as to why you didn't like it was that it's just a rehash, that's fine. I hear you. But if you argue it's not funny, then I disagree with you. Um, I don't know how you find the first Ghostbusters funny, but not this. It's the same structure. Um, when you argue that it's just it's just the girls doing it, okay, well then swap it. If this one had come first, then it would just be the the men trying to do it doing the same thing. Um, you know, so I I think it's funny. I think it's creative uh, in terms of like the ghosts that they introduce. Um, I think it's a great source of, of humor for lines. And I think they could very easily build a cartoon off of it. So um, so for a lot of people who hated on Answer the Call, my first question is why? And there is a very, in my mind, there is a set of answers that I have come to expect, fair or unfair of me. There are a set of answers I've come to expect. And if it's one of those answers that is shared, um, such as not, this is not the ghost, but this is not Ghostbusters, um, not my Ghostbusters. This is not my Ghostbusters. Yeah. Then, yeah, I absolutely place you in one camp of those culture wars, and I genuinely just don't have any interest in having a conversation with you because you're the same person who thinks it's not right to have a black stormtrooper. No, totally. And you know something that 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 really makes me kind of sad. Like, you know, we're even guilty of it. Like, you know, oh, sure, I sure. didn't hesitate. Like, like I didn't hesitate. Like one of the, the the first things I said about it, like I went right into the culture war of it all. Like the legacy of this movie, it, you know, is sort of unfortunately uh, defined by the 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 backlash. Oh yeah, the no, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, all the backlash because poor Leslie Jones, she went through yeah. so much oh, in the wake. She couldn't enjoy this movie she made because she suffered so much harassment on Twitter. And then she had like her driver's license and other personal information released online. And all because she was a woman who played a ghostbuster, a black woman, a black woman who played a ghostbuster. And and that's the only reason that this was, this was harassment was visited on her. And you're right. That's awful. That that's going to be the legacy of this movie. It's one of the reasons why, and, and I know there's, there's back history there and I don't want to get too deep into it because I'll, I'll really be in the weeds on this, but it's really, really, I thought it was really tone deaf and thoughtless that they were going to release quote, the Ghostbusters trilogy and not include answer the call. I understand answer the call is not part of the same story. And I get that from a narrative standpoint, you could have, you could have shown your support by saying we're going to release all four Ghostbusters movies in a set. Yes. This is a standalone movie, but you know what? I don't think anybody would have – that's not true. I was going to say I don't think anybody would have had a problem with releasing uh, uh, Rogue One along with the trilogy, but I'm sure they would have. That said, I think that it's – it's you know, it would have been a nice show of support to say, yeah, you know what? We're going to release all four of these movies because all four of them are Ghostbusters movies um, because it, it, it just – you're right. That's unfortunately the legacy of this movie. And even though they clearly set this movie up so that there would be a sequel, I can't imagine they get a sequel now. And that's that's really, really unfair. It's it's really not okay. 
Well, I will I will say this. I mean, who knows what the next Ghostbusters, and we haven't gotten to Afterlife yet, but Jason Reitman, if he's helming it, is a very, I think, um, I think he has, like, thoughts about all different types of characters and input and, and cultural sensitivities and stuff that I feel like if we're in a multiversal medium now, there's always a possibility these characters can come back in somehow and have another opportunity to be the Ghostbusters with the other timeline of Ghostbusters. I think... I think there is a way to do it. I don't know if they will do it, but there's a possibility to do it. Um, Joe, you've, you've had your hand up. Did you want to add something to that? No, I just wanted to say, I haven't seen the film, but after hearing Chris and, and Josh speak so well of it, I'm definitely going to see it now. But um, let, let a movie stand on its own two feet. You know, yes. It's, it's, first of all, it's a comedy. Let's not, you know, it's not all the president's men. Exactly. Right? Let's right. not get crazy about this stuff. Just if you like it, you don't like it, fine. But don't, don't get political about it. Don't get, don't gatekeep about it, whatever. Just let the movie stand on its own. And um, I just wish people would back off. Movie's supposed to be fun. TV's supposed to be fun. Enjoy it. And if you don't like it, there's always something else to watch. You know, right. Uh, no, you're, you're yeah. absolutely right. And I think that this is, you know, this is something that I had mentioned very, very early on in our, in, in our putting together a secret origins of main condition is that, you know, there was a time when, when it was very, very easy to bait me, just by saying Batman's not a superhero. He's not a real superhero. That was a great way to get me spitting fire and telling you all the reasons that you're wrong and foolish for, you know, for, for saying he's not a superhero. Cause I've got here, I've got proof. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and argue it. And I, but that is sort of that, you know, there, there, it's great that some of these things are cultural touchstones. It's great that so many of them, um, developmentally uh, we grow up entangled with our, you know, they, they inform our identity. And I think some of that can be really positive and some of that can be really negative too. And when you're the kind of person, you know, I really like Indiana Jones, but I, I really didn't like the fourth Indiana Jones movie. I still like the trilogy. The fourth one did not ruin the trilogy for me. The trilogy exists and I just don't watch the fourth one. Um, That's the crystal skull. Crystal skull. Yeah. Well, I hate that uh, film. Yeah, yeah. I just I hate it, but it doesn't. That you know, and, and I can have my own reasons for doing for for not liking yeah. the movie, but it doesn't invalidate the first three. So yeah, I'm with you, Joe. If, if if it turns out that you watch Answer the Call and you're like, I'm good. I don't I don't necessarily like these actors. I don't like these comedians. Um, and also I already have Ghostbusters. I don't need another one. Okay, like great. You know, um, like you say, it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be a flashpoint in the cultural war, and that's. That's just sort of where we are, and, and you should just let the movie be the movie. So you're right, Joe, yeah, exactly. I, and I agree with you. Yeah, I, I, I agree, with, agree with that. So I guess we should uh, move into Afterlife now. I mean, do we have anything else to say about Ghostbusters Answer the Call? No, I enjoy it. I enjoy it, and I think, it's, yeah. I think, it's, I think it is closer to the original Ghostbusters than Afterlife is. And I I'm also, agree with I, it. Yeah, I agree with that too. And I and then I guess just the last part, I mean, last thing I, I think I would say about it is uh, uh, we were talking about the four main leads who are amazing. I would say this is Chris uh, Helmsworth's um, foray into comedy, which eventually oh, yeah. led to the great Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> yep. um, so he's, he's hilarious he is. in this. He's, <laughs> he is there was hilarious. an interview. There was a great interview um, done on I, I can't remember the the name of the talk show. It was one of the it was a British talk show, and it's a guy I really really enjoyed. But um. But uh, Graham, Norton. Graham Norton, thank you. On the Graham Norton show, he's interviewing the entire cast of the, the all four women of Ghostbusters. And then he brings up Chris Hemsworth. And it's so funny watching all four of them react because especially Melissa McCarthy, she goes, it's not fair. It's not fair because he's really good looking. And then he comes on and it turns out he's funny, too. 
And so like, he just, he does all of these, he's able to do all of these things. And at some point, um, they ask him like offset they or on set, but, but off, uh, off film, off camera, they ask him, you know, can you sing? And he's like, oh, I can, I can carry a tune. And then he starts singing and she's like, I didn't even mean it to come out, but it just came out from like the deepest part of my soul. It's very guttural, like a shut up, shut up. You sound like an angel. And it just, <laughs> it just makes me laugh. So like, they just, they express all this love for him, but it's just, it's one of those things where like they were discovering how talented he was. He is very, very funny in this movie and his physical comedy is really good too. Yes. He's, he's, he's great. And like I said, it opened him up to other possibilities for the Thor character and, sure. and hopefully other work he's going to be coming down the road. So, all right. So Ghostbusters afterlife, uh, I guess we'll start with our initial impressions and then, and break down the movie um, a little bit. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I was anticipating this movie for a long time and obviously the pandemic pushed it back. And then when I finally, you know, got to see it um, at home. I I didn't realize the level of nostalgia and how choked up at the end I was going to get until mm-hmm. um, until I, I sat there watching it. So it's like one of the movies I, I really I, I rolled some tears on. And it's been a while. Yeah, are we going to quick um, question? Because I do need to ask if this matters. Are we are we doing spoilers? Yeah, I, I thought we might be, but I just want to. So, just yeah. let the audience know because that that is integral to some of some of the the conversation. I think um, there will be spoilers. So, heads up, there will be spoilers about Ghostbusters Afterlife. You can get on, excuse me, get it on Amazon Prime, and then come back here and and share in the conversation. When yes, thank when, when did it premiere? November. November. Oh, well, come on, November. That's, that's well, I think it was only been on digital since I think. Uh, yeah, like a month. January. It's, been a, yeah. it's been a minute, but um, honestly. And, and James, I, I don't want to keep interrupting, but honestly, I wouldn't have no, gotten no. to Afterlife uh, as, as quote as soon as I did, which was just this past week, uh, which is the middle of February. I wouldn't have gotten to it on what, because, uh, except we were recording this episode. So, um, same, same yeah. So, so yeah. spoilers. But anyway, James, same so, here. You, so you were saying, James, that you were you. No, no, no. And I just want to say I appreciate you uh, piping up, Chris, for for that because if you if you have not seen this movie, or heard anything about it, or know what the whole story is, we are going to spoil it. And there's a lot of great. Ghostbusters, nostalgia, love, and um, Easter eggs in there. Uh, so we are going to talk about all of them. But um, I was just saying, like, I didn't, I was really moved, touched. I didn't realize how much the character of Egon meant to yes. me or the actor, writer, and director Harold Ramis meant to me until I got to see him again in, in the mm. role, obviously, that I'm going to always remember him yeah, for. I, I mean, miss he's him other, so much. other great roles. Mm. Um, but yes, that those are my initial impressions of it. I'll, I'll open up to everyone else what they what they thought. Joe, of it. I see you got your your hand up there. What did you think? Yeah, I brought I brought, I brought a little paragraph after I saw the film. So for me, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife starts a little slowly for me, but as Phoebe strips away the mystery of her granddad's dirt farm, I love that term, dirt farm, and Somerville, the town of Somerville, the film builds an intensity while never forgetting its classic roots. So we get a wonderful action comedy supernatural adventure that really pays off in the wonderful third act by bringing the entire Ghostbusters canon into play on screen and culminating in a very satisfying and touching ending. And I love the third act of this film. Where so many films mm-hmm. fall apart in the third act, this film just, the third act of this film is incredible. And it's, I really enjoyed the hell out of this film. That's that's beautiful, Joe. Yeah, that that summarizes a lot better, I think, than what I said. But um, but uh, Josh, what were your thoughts about Afterlife? No, I um, I went into this movie again, like Chris. Um, I'm sure if it 
if it hadn't uh, been for the pandemic, I'm sure that, yes. that I would have seen it in the theater. Yeah. But, but um, uh, you know, uh, just the realities of the pandemic and also I'm, I'm a father of a one-year-old, so it's, it's kind of hard to get away. It was away. adorable. There um, pictures so, on Instagram. So, it's great. Oh, thank you. The, I, I appreciate that. Um, uh, uh, but so, yeah, so uh, the only reason that I, and I just watched it a couple of weeks ago when it came out, on streaming, and the only reason I watched it uh, when I did is because uh, I knew that uh, we were going to be doing this podcast. Um, and but yeah, um, I was a little hesitant because uh, you know I tried not to read anything about it, but it had sort of broken through to me that there were some criticisms that that uh, uh, you know it um, some people thought that it perhaps relied a little on nostalgia, which is, is, is sort of, um, kind of a larger issue that I have with a lot of, um, you know, modern sequels and, and remakes and, uh, franchise, um, film and TV for, for lack of a better term. Uh, but I put it on again with an open mind. I, I wanted to like it, but I was not prepared to absolutely adore it the way that I did. I just really, it just really I mean, it just really grabbed me, and um, uh, you know, it, it is a completely different kind of movie. It's not; um, it doesn't follow the template of the first three. It's a different kind of story. It's about, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it's about a family and kids, and it's about, uh, you know, you know, um, you know, reconciling uh, with. Um, uh, a parent and you know reconciling with the past and I was also unprepared for just how um, moved the way they really they use the absence of Harold Ramis which could have 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 been handled um, in many different ways but I think they did something really smart they sort of they used the gravity of Harold Ramis's absence and constructed the entire film around mm-hmm. that. And because they were able to pull it off, um, I think uh, uh, the movie is just is just a wonderful, you know, it feels of a piece with the previous films and narratively um, it, 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 it doesn't feel like there was something missing. I think they almost had to make a different kind of movie to kind of grapple with the absence of Harold Ramis and the Egon character. And what they ended up um, doing, I just think was so, you know, just well done and so earnest and so genuinely funny and just, uh, just really sweet. And, you know, Joe, it was interesting. You said uh, you thought it, uh, you thought it, it, um, it, it started off a little slow and I hear that, but something I think this movie did really well was they established these new characters mm-hmm. that that uh, do not f- uh, fit into the archetypes of like the Ghostbusters characters that we're used to from the other films. Like this is a whole different kind of story, and I just thought that they did such a good job of you know making them fully fleshed three dimensional characters that you 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 really understand and you recognize, and they feel. I mean, none of it feels like hackneyed. Like they all feel like real people you buy the relationships you 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 empathize with them and they're also all really funny they all have yeah. their their real they they all have these like really genuinely uh funny moments 
And I really have to, you know, my hat off to Jason Reitman, who's a, uh, who's obviously the son of Ivan Reitman, who uh, was a producer on this movie as well. But, you know, um, uh, Jason Reitman is a hell of a director. And I think that, you know, this movie was so well crafted and um, uh, 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 to the point where I'll let uh, uh, Chris speak on this, uh, uh, but the way that they used nostalgia, they didn't use it as a crutch. They really um wove it into this new story that uh, that they really do a really good job in establishing um that that it just sort of it, i mean i don't know again you know the first the uh, i mean i mean ghostbusters is in my dna um so um i'm i'm sort of genetically predisposed to uh to like something like what we got but I know that if it wasn't as good as it was, I, I would have, I, I, I would have called it out, and that's and that's sort of my uh, my initial and then some impressions. No, that, that's that's wonderful, Josh. Uh, Chris, what, what were your impressions? Yeah, um, so I I also came to this with a little bit of I knew I knew the original cast was going to show up, so I knew that was a thing. Um, I I wasn't sure about the context. I did. I tried to. I, I avoided even Googling Ghostbusters so that Google wouldn't be like, hey, you might want to read these spoilers and, and spoil it in the title or something like that. So, um, And I'm, I'm sure I would have seen it in theaters, but there was a bit of a bad taste in my mouth in terms of like, you know, are they just trying to, is this an in answer to the fans, right. the fans' complaints? Is this just going to be a, a quote, real Ghostbusters movie uh, because answer the call wasn't kind of situation? And, um, and I, I wanted to believe that wasn't the case. So I, 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 but I went in with a little bit of a grain of salt, um, especially because, you know, like I said, the first two Ghostbusters movies are, are so entangled with my childhood, and my development that, that watching them feeds my soul, but the movies themselves don't do that without the history. If you show me Ghostbusters today for the very first time, I'll enjoy it, I think, but it won't feed my soul, if that makes sense. Um, sure. So I wasn't expecting yeah. this, but this one, Afterlife, absolutely, while I enjoy Answer the Call, it doesn't feed my soul, this one does. Um, mm. And this one does because the story was designed to, <laughs> to have an impact on me in conjunction with the history of the films. It's built intentionally around that. So nostalgia is a building block that makes this possible. It's a multi-step chemical reaction, right? In chemical reactions, sometimes you it's it's not enough that you just have one reaction. Sometimes you need a first reaction that creates creates a resource that's then burned up in the second step so that you can get the full chemical reaction, if that makes sense, all right? You need to create a resource with one reaction so that can be used in the second reaction. And I think that's the way nostalgia was used in this film. Without the building block of the nostalgia, you cannot create this film. Um, I will say that I definitely did. I, I cried at the end. I wasn't expecting it. And the reason I wasn't expecting it was because I didn't miss Harold Ramis throughout the movie because he was there. They did a great job of making him the linchpin of the story, but they didn't really make, in my opinion... His absence, like the ha the absence of Harold, the absence of Egon is a linchpin, but the excuse me, the absence of Harold Ramis isn't because he's in the movie throughout. We see him 
in that really, really wonderful opening sequence to the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we see him throughout the movie, whether as the, you know, moving the chess pieces or as the light bulb. Um, so he's, he's present throughout the movie. And I thought, wow, what a, what a really lovely way to depict him. This is, I'm going to get to this in a moment, but I called Josh when I finished watching the movie and Josh kept using the word lovely. And he's like, I feel silly that I can't, I'm like, no, no, no. Lovely is the word to describe the movie and the tribute to Harold Ramis. So I think lovely is right. So so I was enjoying the movie, and then we hit the end. And from the moment that we see his hand on Phoebe's st- helping her steady the proton beam, that the tears the tears just started flowing. Yeah. Like, I just started crying. Like, it started with a single tear from each eye running down my cheeks. And then I was like, oh, my God, we're actually going to get to see him. And it was in that moment that I suddenly, like, felt this very, very deep sense of, of loss and sort of an and it's the most bizarre thing, but a bit of an ache because um, because I never knew Harold Ramis ever. I don't know anybody connected to Harold Ramis. And I don't consider him like a personal artistic influencer or anything like that. He's influenced me as an artist, but I don't think of him as like a primary influence. I did not. I was very upset when he died, but I didn't realize just how deep that ran and how much I missed the man himself. This man I've never met and have never known until I saw the end of the movie, I got very sort of shaky. Like I could feel a little bit of adrenaline running through my body, but I felt the loss so acutely when I actually got to see him, see his face. Um, What a beautiful tribute that they don't, I'm sure they could have dug up some, um, some, some of his old dialogue from the archives Mm. to put together some lines for him. They don't do that, but his facial expressions are, they're spot on. Um, I, I, it is absolutely the best use I've seen of CG to bring a character back. Um, and it's funny because it made me think a little bit of of Harry Potter. Um, at the end of Harry Potter, uh, Dumbledore says, "You know, Harry, you're the only one who could have, who could really use the Resurrection Stone because I would have used it to bring back people who are at rest, whereas you used it to enable your own self sacrifice." I did not feel like this was exploitative. I felt like this was um, a way to tell a really lovely story that that centered Egon's character. Um, and and you're right, Joe. It it does start off slow. It really builds suspense. And this is why I think it's so different than the other Ghostbuster movies, right? Because this one, I actually checked the timestamp. Um, it was we were twenty eight uh, twenty eight minutes and forty seconds in before we actually saw paranormal activity happen. Outside of that opening scene, we actually see the chess piece move. We see it in motion. Not just she wakes up and it had been moved. We actually see a chess piece in motion. And that's way longer than any of the other movies when we actually see the ghosts much sooner than that. Um, so, but it, it's such a, so it's very different than the other three ghosts, the, 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 its three predecessors, because it is such a slow build. Um, but man, it just, this to me felt like, the type of um, it didn't feel like the other Ghostbusters movies. This felt like the story that um, I said that I had the privilege of growing up and, and aging with the Ghostbusters movies. So by the time I hit where I'm at now, which is 37, now I was ready for this kind of a movie that, that for me fired on, on all cylinders. Um, I, I, 
you know, Josh, when, so, so as soon as the movie was over, I called Josh because, <laughs> because I, he and I grew up with it. It informed a lot of our friendship. Um, I just really quickly, I just want to jump in. So yeah, yeah I, please, please. Um, um, so, so I missed the call. Uh, uh, no pun intended. And um, <laughs> good one, Josh. <laughs> and then, and then a few minutes later, I saw um, that uh, uh, you had texted me, Chris, and you said um, that you had just seen Afterlife. And then I saw the missed call, and I was like, "Oh shit, I gotta call him back right now." <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. I think I think it was around ten thirty my time or something like that. Um, no, I said yes, yes, yeah, yes, something, right. something like yeah. that. And um, I just, I just, I had to talk about it. I was actually jittery for about an hour after that because it had just, it had affected me so much more than I was <clears throat> expecting. Um, and there are other, you know, Josh and I talked about, okay, well, how much does nostalgia play a part in this? And the nice thing is we actually have a couple of parallels that we can draw, such as, Star, you know, the return of Star Wars um, and how instrumental it was in our development as, as children and as artists. Um, I was still able to look at those other films with a more critical eye, uh, look at the new Star Wars films, and this is what I like, this is the content I like, this is the content I don't like, here's why. Um, and I felt like I was able to do that with Star Wars. And I so I think I could do it with Ghostbusters too. I hesitate to say that I thought this movie was perfect, but man, <laughs> I, I gotta be honest, I, I loved everything about this movie, and I don't want to go into many details because I'll just literally list everything, but the, I, I just thought it was it was from start to finish. I just thought it was a fantastic movie, and this is one that's like, no, I'm I'm literally going to buy this on disc because I'm not okay with not being able to watch this whenever I want. Yeah, we, we talked about that offline last night, Chris. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to yeah. do the same thing about it. Uh, this film is a, a lot lot to me. Uh, it's a coming of age film, obviously for Phoebe. It's a redemption. It has a redemption arc, mother and mother and uh, and father, uh, and it's a discovery film where a family comes together with the, the ghost of their grandfather and, and, and they realize who they are now and, and the legacy of their family that their grandfather, that their grandfather started. And um, so even though he's not there until the very end, it's, it's like real life. You, people that you, you know, you miss that, you, that, that pass away, they're not really gone because you remember them. They become part of you. And, and this family didn't have that until they moved out there until, you know, uh, where it was, but, but you know what, um, Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they find more than just, they find, they find their roots, uh, is what I'm trying to say. They find their roots, they find their family, they come together as a family at the end, uh, defeating the world, you know, eh, you know uh, beating Gozer the second time, who still looks like Sheen Easton, by the way. But uh, <laughs> I don't know, I think that's who Mahler off, off after. But uh, yeah, they, that, that was great to see that. But it's it's a it's a personal film. It's a film about family, and it's a, a discovering your roots. And um, for that reason, I, I love this film. And yeah, uh, I, I think it's like a real like we were saying, seeing Harold at the end there with everybody. I I felt like gave the audience the story some closure and gave the audience closure yes. with the actor and character. Like he get he gets the send off that we would have like to have seen and you know you the ghostbusters recognizing him and seeing him and and talking to him and him reacting is i guess it's kind of us getting to our moment to say goodbye mm -hmm. um through them for the moment so I, I think that's why it worked also so much and why it hit me kind of so much of like saying goodbye to this person who has influenced you know a lot of my 
early growing up in terms of thinking and comedy and how I, I look at certain movies. I think that's why it worked for me so yeah. well, too. The very thing they were running away from, you know, because she had the mother talk about it, how he was a terrible father. That very thing that, that they, you know, that she hated and uh, it's the very thing that she needed, you know, and when she discovers his quote unquote bat cave and she sees all those, those photographs uh, that he, that he had of her throughout the years, she realizes that her father did love her, but he gave up his life with his family to, to literally save the world. And so it's, um, it's, uh, you know, they found something, they found something very profound. They found, she found her dad and grandchildren, her children found their granddad and they, they found uh, the legacy of their family. But now I have a really that's, that's important a great... question for everybody. Cause I, I sort of want to take bets on this is since we've all seen it now, how many times do you think you will have to watch it before you spot everything that the Stay Puffed Marshmallow, the, the mini Stay, Par, Stay Puffed Marshmallow Men do? How many times are you going to have to watch it to catch every single well, one of them? They got movies? made into s'mores. They got- yeah. <laughs> it's great. Oh, I, I love thought, those. I thought, the, I thought those little guys were just the funniest thing. I thought it yeah. was so great. Oh, I was um, dying. And yeah, Christina and yeah, I watched yeah. it, and um, and one of my favorite parts is is when we first meet them, and they're riding on the Roomba, in the Walmart and um and they run over one and then there are marshmallow skin yeah. marks behind it. And yeah, yeah, she's, yeah. Like, and she's like, what where? And we had to we had to run it back right away so that she could see it. So <laughs> so I'm just curious, how many times do we think we need to see it before we spot every single antic there? Especially because we think we're done with them and then they show up at the end. It is so delightful yeah. that they're happy to see the Ghostbusters. <laughs> well, I think it's like we probably have to watch as many times as we watched the first Ghostbusters, considering that we're still getting stuff right, out of that right, movie, yeah. and yeah. I haven't yeah. haven't really fully unpacked this movie. That's um, a good film, great film. I mean, I watched right. it again last over the course of Saturday, um, Saturday um, Friday night, and Saturday night before we recorded this today on Sunday, and um, just to like recap on and get the feelings back. And I, I still miss things. I'm sure I still miss things. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you know, it's funny. This is one of those movies, and you know, maybe this is, is just me right now because I, I don't know what with the uh, the the new fatherhood and 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 moving into a different phase of my life. Like I'm really. I'm really kind of um, choosy about um, what I watch, but yes. but a part of me, but like I know that I will. I'm sure I will. I will revisit this. But a part of me, I had such a lovely viewing experience the first time. A part of me kind of wants to leave that alone and not sort of, you know, risk seeing it again and like maybe being a little more uh, uh, critical of it. Uh, perhaps that's I mean, yeah, um, that's valid. Yeah, uh, but. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure that I will. I'm sure I will see it again. Um, uh, because I mean, I mean, it was just such a, uh, again, a lovely movie. Um, and you know, something that occurred to me afterward. You know, we're all talking about how it's a different kind of movie. It's a, but um, one thing I realized that really kind of does make it kind of fit, at least for me, with the the others in terms of the structure is that it's not. Is that. It, uh, kind of, you know, watching Phoebe and podcast and and all the kids um, discovering the Ghostbusters, like really the first movie, and that like it it sort of, you know, they they they're learning about uh, 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 Gozer and um, um, Shandor um, 
and all of that stuff, like the history and they're learning about what happened in New York and they're learning about, mm. uh, you know, about uh, about Egon and uh, uh, Phoebe finds the she gets the phone number and she calls Ray and she uh, like it sort of reminded me of of me and Chris as kids discovering the first movie. Mm. Yeah. You know, in a certain way, like we were just playing around, having our lives. We love the cartoon. Uh, but then for us, the first movie was something we had to learn about and were introduced to and had to dis- and and like had to had to had to un we had to unearth and learn about the the real history of this this uh, cartoon that was so enthralling. That's a good, a, a, no, that's a very good Go analogy, Josh, of like unpacking this movie, like unpacks the way you had to unpack it in childhood. I mean, that's um, it's 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 that's very poignant, and that's that's you know, it's a great that's a great emotional connection you can have with this this film and the way it lays out. I think that's that's beautifully beautifully said. Yeah. Um, so so in that way, like you know, uh, you know, and like we are talking, I think the generation for which, uh, uh, for better or worse, those movies are so foundational. I think, you know, a part of the form this movie uh, takes on sort of reflects um, the experience of a certain generation of children. Right. Which I thought was Absolutely. Just, I thought was just kind Absolutely. of interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I want to, something else I want to touch on um, is also, I feel like this movie, um, you know, unf- I mean, they do it through the end credits and the after scene, but we get some like Winston gets a little bit more to do and gets mm-hmm. fleshed out a little bit more. And I, I'm hoping if they, when they're moving forward with whatever they're doing with it, he gets more to do because I mean, going back to something I didn't bring up in the first movie is like Winston had a much larger role in the first movie and then mm-hmm. kind of got a pared down. And Ernie Hudson has always taken, I think in stride that he's like, quote unquote, the fourth ghostbuster. Yeah. But, but he got kind of a raw deal in that first movie. He got a raw deal, but he's I mean, always he's been very even- I think he's been always been gracious in interviews and stuff. Like I've never heard him say a bad word, has, but you can tell always, in his face. He has always been gracious in interviews, which I, I would not have that kind of integrity, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so I feel you know like, I mean? the like end, he's, not, the, he's not even on uh, the poster for the first Ghostbusters. No, 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 he's no, not. No. And he's um, also not, his so, name is, his name is smaller than I'm, I'm literally, so I have the poster uh, framed in my room and his name is not on the poster. Uh, uh, Chris, is that the same? Is that the same poster that you had in uh, your uh, your childhood it, bedroom? I think it might be this because this one has Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Sigourney Weaver all in big letters, and then some more information. I have Ryan Man, Ghostbusters, Black Rhino, Bernie Bernstein production, and then it says also starring Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis. That's it. It's just those five names on the poster. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's that's 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 messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pretty, that's messed up. Well, and even the in yeah. the yeah. there was a Brit, I have a British release poster too. It was the British release, and it was signed by Dan that I got. Um, I had signed by Dan Ackward when I met him. Um, and in all the pictures, and this one is interesting because there's only actually two pictures. There are two, four, six, seven pictures total, but only two that feature the Ghostbusters, and one of them does have Winston, and it's it's on the rooftop when they're approaching Gozer, but um. But no, it is. It's it's messed up. Just how just how much he missed up missed out on, especially because he was told he was getting the part that was written for Eddie Murphy, and so the mm-hmm. script was even more. Uh, his part was pared down even more um, when he got the between when he had originally read the script and when he had signed on to the movie. So anyway, James, though you were saying, 
Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I yeah. I I feel. I, I like I said. I just. I feel like this movie opens a doorway for going forward with the Ghostbuster franchise. That Winston will get. Will hopefully get a movie that he deserves as well. If we're, if we're trying to like, you know, wrap things up and, and try to like evolve Ghostbusters, I think Winston deserves to lead a movie or be as strong in a movie going forward, at least so his character finally gets some of that, um, I think, respect and, and prominence that it deserved from the very beginning, but just never well, got Well, and I appreciate this is also, now he's the businessman. So we know Ghostbusters was always a business and it failed as a business, right? So if anybody could bring it back, and this is what they do for anybody who doesn't know, there are two post credit scenes. Um, and in that second one, you know, he's the, he's the businessman. He's made, uh, uh, he's, he's minted a fortune. Um, and so, you know, I think that if they're going to continue down this road, the person who's going to make the Ghostbusters work is going to be Winston. So I do think that he, he will, you know, this was Egon's movie. Um, and this, then the next one, hopefully will kind of be a Winston movie. So I, I agree with you there, nice. but that also makes me, m- makes me want to just point out that for anybody who said this movie leaned too hard on nostalgia, I really thought this movie had a soft touch. I had, a, I thought it had a light touch because it did use some of the quotes from, previous movies but i thought it used them well like who you're gonna call was probably the most egregious one mm-hmm. um in prison yeah. but like it wasn't it didn't yeah close. but i was there for it oh, because so was it was I. just set up so well oh, no i was no was, i was totally was there for perfect. it and I, I just mean yeah. that if you want to criticize that fine i disagree with you but but fine but i love that winston at the very end he's talking about how the ghostbusters taught him that and this is just a callback to a to a line that isn't used as much from the first movie but in the first movie when they think they've defeated gozer just because she's they have disappeared and it's going to, you know, next it's going to be goes or the traveler. Um, you know, Winston says, all right, we had the tools, we had the talent, um, which incidentally is also one of my favorite quotes because growing up, one of my favorite snacks was Nilla wafers. And so when I was younger, I thought that what Bill Murray was saying was it's Nilla time. It's so cool. Peter Vankman also likes Nilla wafers, just like me. So, nope, it's Miller time, baby. It's Miller time. So, um, so you know, we have the tools, we have the talent, and that's what he says in the end of this in in this post credits scene. Uh, he says, you know, the Ghostbusters taught me to not be afraid. They taught me I have the tools and I had the talent, and I loved loved that callback for Winston. I thought it was wonderfully included. It was just folded in there. I thought the nostalgia was woven into this story. And so a couple of those lines that get repeated, I thought were used just beautifully. Absolutely. 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 I agree more. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't cringe when any of the lines came up uh, or roll my eyes or feel like an eye rolling moment or you're cramming this. And I felt everything was deserved and honored and placed appropriately for the narrative of the story. That first it's, it's, you know, I love the hotel scene in the first Ghostbusters movie. That first time they catch a ghost. Um, I, the, the very first time they catch a ghost in this movie, the muncher, that chase scene Mm -hmm. down main street is fantastic. Beautifully done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess we're going to be bringing things to a close with this uh, this long um, Ghostbusters uh, episode, which we, we probably could dive on even deeper. Or maybe we will in the future. There's yeah. probably a lot more Ghostbusters we can talk about. Um, but I guess quickly before we go, we always like to give a recommendation of things we're watching, reading, and would like you guys to check out. So, um, Josh, I don't know if you prepared anything, but do you have anything you'd like the audience to check out? I did not prepare anything, but um, I've been slowly working my way through uh, through Have Gun Will Travel, oh. um, the uh, the classic western, 
Um, I have it on DVD. I don't know. I think it might be on. I think it might be on Paramount Plus. Um, oh, but I cool. Check um, it out. Yeah, and, but, uh, um, yeah. And Josh, and since you, you you do have to jump in a moment, why don't we take this opportunity? Um, uh, we'll we'll finish up the episode, but um, please plug your your podcast, which you, uh, you've been gracious enough to have me on yes, many yes, times. Yes, I was going to mention any, that. And any other places people can reach you or reach out to you or see stuff that you want them to see? Oh, sure. Well, um, oh, well thanks. I appreciate it. Um, and thank you for coming on uh, uh, the pod. We're just uh, getting. Uh, we're really getting rolling now. Um, you actually inspired me, James, uh, with uh, doing this podcast. I have always wanted to do a podcast. I've always also wanted to do a Star Wars podcast, but I was hesitant for a zillion reasons, um, not the least of which is the fact that uh, does the world really need another Star Wars uh, podcast? But um, I, uh, you really inspired me to, to just go for it. So I, I created Trash Compactor, a Star Wars podcast, um, where we throw out Star Wars opinions with the rest of the garbage. And um, uh, uh, you can find it at trashcompod.com and trashcompod across all social media. Um, so we're on Instagram and um, and Facebook. And if you uh, uh, were available on, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and uh, uh, pretty much every um, uh, podcast platform. Excellent. It's a, it's a great show. And you just um, just finished up wrapping up the book of Boba Fett. And then you're going to start, um, you have the official season launch. What in um, where May. are you going after? May. May. Yeah. Uh, probably, so. uh, probably May the 4th for, for uh, to capitalize on that, that uh, now uh, uh, corporate holiday uh, that we have where we all, uh, um, we all have a money sacrifice to the other uh, corporate Star Wars overlords. <laughs> but Josh, I know you have to jump, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time and being part of this this Ghostbusters episode. It wouldn't have been the same without you. So thank you so much. No, I appreciate it. I had a blast, guys. I really, I mean, this was so much fun. It's always delightful to talk. And I, I also want to thank you. If not knowing that the show is in the offing, I wouldn't have watched Afterlife as soon as I did. And so, and so I'm really glad that 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 I did. So. Uh, uh, so thanks, guys. Thanks, Josh. Okay, Josh. Um, I'm, really glad Josh so was, I'm really glad Josh was able to do this episode because uh, because obviously, based on the conversation we had, there's just there's no way I can imagine having this conversation without Josh, given my personal history with him. Absolutely, no. It was it was it was great. Um, all right, Joe. So, do you have any recommendations for what you'd like the audience to listen, watch, or check out? Oh, certainly. I uh, just finished the first season of The Mandalorian. Like I said, uh, probably the last person on Earth. So I have not seen the first season, but I finished it uh, last night. It's excellent. I love it. I, I like the way they drilled deep deep down into, into the characters. It's character-driven. And I can't wait to start uh, season two. Uh, Chris, I'm almost done with the first season of The Expanse, and I've got a ton of questions for you. That's great. I cannot wait to talk about that with uh, you. Yes. <laughs> I, I, one, one thing about it uh, I'm not, uh, that really struck me, the, uh, the Joe Miller character. Uh, what's, yes. the, what's the actor's name? Uh, uh, Thomas, uh, Thomas. Thomas James. Yes. Yep. Didn't he play the Punisher? In, in he the did. Film? Okay. He did. Yes. Um, I love his character. It's very Sam Spade. It's very film noir. So it's, uh, it's kind of yeah. cool. I like yeah. kind of no, the way he's mixing genres here. Yeah, no, he's an outstanding character throughout. Uh, I really enjoy the hell out of him. And and Thomas Jane, I'm 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 glad that I again I had mentioned that I, I started watching the show before I started reading the books, and so I appreciate that it was Thomas Jane's voice in my head 
when I was reading the books. Wow, that's kind of cool. That yeah, I cool. Mean, he is very serious, but he gets beat up a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah, a great tradition of uh, pri- uh, you know private investigators and whatnot. And the other thing I'd like to recommend is uh, I got my Crisis on Multiple Earths um, crossing over. It's the first eight JLA JSA team ups from 1963 to 1970. So it's we're talking Gardner Fox, Mike Sikowski. Denny O'Neill, Dick Dillon, great stuff if you're into that JLA, JSA team up. Great Silver Age comic books. Uh, so I would highly recommend that. And uh, those are my recommendations for this week. That sounds great, Joe. Uh, Chris, That's what do you job. got? Yeah, what do you got to recommend this week? Um, well, you know, I definitely, definitely recommend Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's one of the, one of the few things that I've, I've watched since my, my household has been fighting COVID. Um, but I did read, uh, Road of Bones and Sea of Sorrows by Rich Dueck, um, also available on Hoopla. I, it's, it's basically horror, uh, spun off of history and while it's interesting and maybe maybe I just wasn't in the right the right mind space for it or what, but but I wasn't a huge fan or anything. I, I um the art was interesting, but I had trouble telling the characters apart, which which I find personally irritating. Mm. Um you know, so I, I I don't know that I would necessarily recommend it. That's just those are things that I that I recently excuse me, read. Um I did read The Unsound by Cullen Button. And I thought oh, that was interesting. Uh, I, I enjoyed that read. Um, again, things I'm glad I'm able to borrow, so I don't necessarily have to buy. Um, things that I would recommend. I enjoyed Mr. Miracle, The Great Escape by Varian Johnson. Um, I thought that was that was fun. That was interesting about Mr. Miracle. And and um, very much in that vein of, um, of I, am not, I Am Not Starfire. Um, oh, so very okay. Much, yeah, very much in that vein. Mr. Miracle, The Great Escape was fun. Um, and then I finally finally finished X-Men Fatal Attractions. Oh. And um, I'll be honest, there was some of it was a bit of a slog for me. Some of it was like, okay, you know, I, I'd like to be moving on through here. Um, also, some of it is just, it's it's a lot to read all in one go. <laughs> so, <Yes>. um, <laughs> so, yeah, so some of it was a bit of a, but, but the last couple of issues in that compendium of Fatal Attractions, I really enjoyed it. It has that, we mentioned it in our X-Men episode with Arco, but that, that iconic artwork of Magneto ripping all the adamantium off of Wolverine's skeleton mm. out of his body. Um, and also- Is that Mark Silvestri, the artist? Who's the artist? That might be Mark Silvestri. I'm not sure though. I think so. Sure. I think so, but I'm not positive. Yeah. Very, um, very iconic scene. Yeah. Just really. So, so I'm glad I read it. Uh, but I'll also admit that some of it, I I had to I had to get through some of it to get to the stuff that I thought was good stuff. So those are the things that I read, and I'm currently in the process of reading Squadron Supreme. Good. Um, oh, very and, nice. Well, can't find one. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to read um, Star Wars: Age of Rebellion, and uh, we'll see whether or not I I like that. There's a lot of comic stuff I'm not generally a fan of, but um, when it comes to Star Wars, but I just thought you know what the heck I could use a little bit of a a break from, from superheroes. Um, so I think that's, that's where I'm at. And then again, in terms of what I'm watching, I'm not, I'm not watching a lot. I am trying to, I'm, I think I'm one episode away from wrapping up uh, the book of Boba Fett. So that's, that's me. Oh, James, Fair if enough. I may, uh, yep. uh, cause Chris just mentioned getting away from superheroes. I did do a deep dive into my Jonah Hex comic books. So I finished this entire run this week in, uh, I think it was a uh, 20 odd issues in weird Western. And I just started on Jonah Hex number one and two last night. Uh, Michael Fleischer did a great job with that book and uh, great art by uh, uh, Luis Dominguez. Uh, 
uh, Tony Zaguna, uh, I can never get his pronounced name properly, and Garcia, Jose Garcia Lopez. So uh, I know there are trades of those out there. I'm sure they're on Hoopla. So if anybody uh, who heard our Western uh, podcast wants a, a, a recommendation for good Western comics, Jonah Hex, very, very highly recommended. Excellent, excellent. And we, well, we'll see when we're posting this. So some of, if you've heard some things, we've referenced episodes, it's because obviously we record these things out of order and post these things out of order. So um, the X-Men and Western episode might be forthcoming. Uh, depending yeah, on yes. the, or, yeah. or it might also have already happened. So who knows? We're <laughs> exactly. in a space-time continuum. This is landing. Yeah. But um, if you, if the references to things that you're like, I didn't listen to that, it's coming. Right. Um, right. And yeah. otherwise, disregard everything I just said. Um, <laughs> um, one, more, one more thing. I can't sure. give specific suggestions. I'm going to try and be a little more active on the Facebook group here. Um, so I can't give specific suggestions because I don't know what's going to drop. But um, but hockey, watch hockey. There, you know, there are a lot of teams that are exciting to watch right now. I was just talking to Joe about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. The Rangers are scoring more goals, and mm-hmm. um, they're probably going to pick up another forward in uh, by the trade deadline, which is in March. So, um, so they're probably going to pick up another forward and and up their up their game. But um, but if you're not watching hockey right now, like I said, I can't really give you a specific game because I don't know when this is going to be there. I'm going to try and post more in the in the group. Um, but if you can if you can watch the Rangers, the Hurricanes, the Penguins are playing really fun, exciting hockey. Um, both Florida teams, whether it's the Panthers or the Lightning, the Minnesota Wild, really almost any Central Division game that you can catch is is great. Um, and the Vegas Golden Knights, I think, are about to become, and I'm not the only one, are about to become a lot more dynamic with Jack Eichel. So if you're up a little bit later and you feel like watching one of the later hockey games, um, you know, Vegas is always worth watching. So I'll say. Oh, excellent. That's great, Chris. That's great. Um, for things that I'm reading, I would recommend, um, this one might be slightly off topic for us, but I think it fits in. If you if you are a fan of the show The Good Place and liked that show, um, I just finished uh, reading, uh, or rather listening to the audiobook of How to Be Perfect by Michael Schur, um, the oh, creator of the show. Okay. And it's um, moral philosophy and ethics told through a comedic spin. It's just sort of his, um, he says it's like his wrap up of The Good Place, like his final thoughts. And I recommend the audio because all of the cast of The Good Place read things in this book. So oh, that's awesome. I'm sorry. What's the name of this book again? Because I love The Good Place. I think it's brilliantly done. I, I agree. It's it's How to Be Perfect. How to Be Perfect. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. How to Be Perfect. I'm trying to look up the uh, the cover so I can see it a little bit. Uh, how to Be Perfect. The Correct Answer to Every Moral Question. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, no, that's, that might I mean, be a very long book. <laughs> yep, I've already, I have already found it. And... Literally, there are eight copies at my library, and all copies are in use. So, yeah. uh, so you're not the only one who. So, nope. Appreciate that. Thank you, J- thank you, uh, James. I'm totally going to take you up on that. Yes, it's great. If you like moral philosophy, it's really a fun way to do it. If you like the Good Place, it's a good wrap up on the show. And if you like Ted Danson, who doesn't like Ted Danson, there's some Ted Danson in there for you. So, so lots of reasons to check that book out. Uh, the other other stuff that I, I recommend um, that I've been reading, I recently reread volume one of Grant Morrison's An- uh, Animal Man, uh, which is um, it was it was very interesting. It was back when I <laughs> this is some some shade on Grant Morrison, but like his Batman stuff was not really uh, comprehensible. But uh, his classic <laughs> stuff, Animal Man, is really a taking a look at what a writer with a take on a character can do with sort of a B-list character mm-hmm. and make it very compelling, very interesting. You know, Animal Man, we're dealing with his origins, pre-crisis, post-crisis. We're dealing with his family. We're dealing with the fact that he recognizes he's a C or a B-list character and is trying to become an A-list character. So um, 
You said very this is Grant Morrison's run, right? Grant Morrison one, it's, volume one. It is outstanding. My friend uh, Tony and friend of the show, Tony Anselmo, uh, there. He, uh, oh man, he got me into that, and he's like, just, just read it. You're gonna want to read this. And I never would have found it on my own, but I couldn't agree with you more. It's it's outstanding work. Grant Morrison, yeah, it, they, they really outdo themselves. Uh, yeah, it's great. And so, and it keeps getting better. I, I, I look forward, I, they have all three volumes on Hoopla right now, um, since I said earlier that Hoopla sometimes takes things off. So if you're interested in that, pick it up. I'd be remiss if I didn't recommend again, um, some Ghostbuster comics, which I said, unfortunately are not on Hoopla, but I think are worth reading. Um, I was looking it up during the during while we were recording. Ghostbusters, everybody answers the call is the crossover between um, Ghostbusters and the um, Ghostbusters answer the call cast, and then Ghostbusters one hundred one I think is the crossover where it's where it's Ghostbusters our our timeline real Ghostbusters answer the call Ghostbusters and extreme Ghostbusters I think is is everyone is in that one so I recommend checking that out and I think I mentioned this on a way earlier podcast but Ghostbusters Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm is awesome it's it's a fun thing it's two pop culture 80s icons getting together um and i think it's a real fun read that that's enjoyable for turtles fan ghostbusters fans and if you were probably liked one you probably like the other so i would give that a, a a look um and the last thing i'd recommend in time for oscar season um i watched uh, mitchell's the mitchell's versus the machines oh on Netflix. it's so much fun it's very fun it's very heartwarming it's um it's a very surprising movie. I didn't think I was getting the movie I was going good to get. Good cast, re- too. Really strong good. cast. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. It's worth worth it to watch it. If you've got Netflix, it's definitely worth a watch. And I think it's it's a good contender. Compared, you know, The other stuff on there is really good, too. But Mitchell's versus The Machines is, is really a great family comedy, really but also a lot of heart in it, too. So those are the things I would recommend um, for people. Um, I think that... Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that is everything for this episode. Um, thank you, everyone, again so much for listening and uh, and being um, a part of uh, this episode. If you want to continue this conversation, please uh, check into the Facebook group, uh, Secret Origins of Mink Condition on Facebook. Uh, we have the Instagram at Secret Origins MC, and we have um, the the Gmail is Secret Origins MC as well. Um, and if you have the time, if you could rate, rate us and write a review for the podcast where, however you are listening to this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. And we're actually, we are going to start reading those on, on the podcast soon. So look for that. And, um, I think that's everything. So thank you very much. And we will talk to you soon.